podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to one of the ten best English language podcasts about Fiorentina on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Welcome back, Viola fans, to another Viola Station. Tough week for Viola fans, but we're still here and we're still proud. Our drinks are just a little saltier. Tito, can you tell us how many boxes of Kleenex you've gone through this week? Oh, boy. That could be taken any number of ways. Um, Man, you just totally wrong-footed me there. I have no good response to that. (laughs) I'm just going to throw this back to you, Mike, and ask, what are you drinking today? (laughs) You know, drinking is, is definitely important today. I, normally, as, as probably everybody knows by now, I'm going with a Brunello. After today's game, I had to go with something a little bit further north, so I went with a Barolo. And the reason being is because I thought if I went with anything from Tuscany, there'd be some screws in it. So, how about you, bud? Straight vodka. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for coming back to join us. Just to let you know, we are going to do our very best to not let this descend into a three-hour stream of profanity because we are recording minutes after the Lazio game wrapped up, and neither one of us is very happy right now. But if that's what happens, if it's just us cursing into the void for hours, sorry, but it's what you're getting. The other thing that happened today is Herman Petzela turns 29, so Feliz Dia Herman. Listen, he had a great game against Brescia, so scored scored the goal. We have to celebrate him, our captain. And, and I'll be honest, I, I'm more trending towards I want him to stay. I was very much on really that bubble. I wasn't sure if he would or not just because we haven't heard him come out. But this week he did come out and he said he wants to stay. He's very happy with Fiorentina. He's very happy in Florence. And he actually wants to see us go into Europe together. So back on that Petzela bandwagon, now that he's vocal, he's he's loud about it. Sure would have loved to see him score a birthday goal today. That would have been fine, but uh, you know what? Happy birthday anyways. Since we're very good at segues on this show and we just talked about an experienced South American central defender, we're going to move into some transfer rumors and talk about, you guessed it, an experienced South American central defender. In this case, it's Thiago Silva from Brazil. If you have been paying any attention to soccer anywhere in the world at all over the past decade, you probably know who he is. He's out of contract at PSG at the end of the year, and it sounds like he's going to be moving on. He's getting a little bit older. He's 34 now, I think. Still a really good player. Not quite as fast as he used to be, but still plenty fast. Fantastic reader of the game. Mike, do you think there's a home for him in Florence if he signs on? I'd like to say yes. I've heard rumors that he's looking for 10 million euros a season, which would then start getting into astronomical numbers. Definitely would take it out of Fiorentina's pay grade. If he comes down off of that, I'll definitely go with a yes. Uh, and, and the reason being, I was a little skeptical knowing that we'd have him and Ribery on the same team, older players in the twilight of their career. But class is class, and Ribery proved that today. He was the classiest player on the field. So, uh, yeah, bring on Silva. 
Yeah, I second that. As long as this is not a general trend of Fiorentina bringing in old guys who only have one or two more years left, I don't see any reason not to kick the tires on him. But $10 million, that's a very big number. We just got starting to pay transfers bigger than $10 million. So yeah, right. big stuff. <laughs> Another a transfer that would be worth more than $10 million is Sandro Tonali. It's kind of quieted it down over the past week or so, but after Roberto Mancini, the Italy coach, came out and said that he would like Tonali to play in Florence rather than in Juve or for Inter, that's got to be kind of cool, right? It would be awesome. It would be a dream come true. I just don't know if that 50 million euros quoted right now is going to be the final number for him. I mean, that can easily start going up to 60, 70 million. And if you wait another year, that number is getting close to a hundred million. I, I'd venture a guess. So no matter what Fiorentina would pay for this kid, it would definitely pay itself dividends over the long term of his career. And if we do sell him over the next three, four five years, but can you imagine that midfield? We've talked about it before him, Castrovilli and Amrabat. That would be so much fun. I will say, though, having signed Amrabat now, who does a lot of the same things that Tonali does, albeit probably not at quite as high of a level, I don't think he's as dynamic carrying the ball, for example, but all of a sudden that need for a deep-lying playmaker is no longer nearly as great, especially because Amrabat has been fantastic for Hellas since the restart. Heck, let's go ahead and talk about that. Have you been watching any of those games that he's been playing for Hellas these past two times out? Honestly, I just saw him running back onto the field playing yesterday or, or today, and, and they were showing highlights at halftime. So I was watching him, spotlighting him, and then running back onto the pitch, probably just the first five or ten minutes before I had to get back to work. So I have not. You're going to be able to tell us a little bit more about what he's been able to do lately. For that first goal they scored against Cagliari, he was really good, absolutely dictated the play in the buildup, had a, probably half a dozen touches leading up to the goal played the killer ball down the wing for the cross. It it just controlled the play fantastically well, I thought, throughout. Against Napoli, very different brief than Cagliari, obviously. He did not get nearly as much time in possession, but when he did have the ball, I thought he was quite useful with it. A lot of really good long passes and dropped very deep in between the central defenders to pick up that ball and then move it forward, which is something we have not seen as much of in Florence this year. So Tonali, yeah, awesome. But with Amrabat, I think he is, at bare minimum, probably the best defensive midfielder in Florence that we'll have had since, I don't know, David Pizarro was really at his best. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then the other transfer rumor that we've heard about recently that's probably worth kicking around a little bit is Ezequiel Barco of Atlanta United, another uh, young kid, Argentinian, and has sporadically been excellent for the five stripes, but sounds like they're going to ask for something approaching 20 million for him. Do you think that's, do you think that's worth it? Or is that just pipe dreams? I've seen everything from 15 to 20. It's a kid who played on the U21, the U23. That's certainly an accomplishment for any player. Is he at the level yet? I'm not sure. You know, we have a, a, a player in Aguadello that is already going to be a project and we're going to have to manage probably similarly that we would have to with Barco. But if, if I was him, I'd look at it from this standpoint. You know, if I want to get called up to the national team, the senior team, I have to get to Europe. I can't be in MLS. So I need somebody to, to buy my contract out at this point, pay the transfer 
ship me over and then go prove something. So I do like the aspect that he's going to need to prove his worth over in Europe if he wants to have any chance to play for the national team. I think he's definitely ready to make the jump. I think you're dead on about that. I've only got a couple of questions about him. The first is that his end product has been pretty shaky in Atlanta. Got tremendous pace, great dribbler, has an eye for a pass, he can shoot. But he doesn't score as many goals or get as many assists as you would want. And the other thing is that he's frequently injured. He's a little guy. He's maybe five foot six, which is, oh boy, a hundred and... Come on, Mike, you're my metric expert. Uh, 170-something centimeters, and he's kind of slender. So he's easy to body around. I'm worried that he may not hold up against some of the bigger defenders, especially given the way that some players are allowed to tackle wingers these days, (laughs) it seems like, without any repercussions. Yeah, I think between Agudelo and Sotil, there's a lot of overlap between what they do. Maybe if Chiesa leaves, which... Still don't know what's going on there. Maybe if Chiesa leaves, it would make sense, but I'd rather see a more... That's it. That's it. I I, I think you have to go with... If if Chiesa leaves, you have to replace him with somebody that's already proven. You can't go out there and get another... The fans won't let another project player come in. But on the other hand, having seen a little bit today of what Fiorentina without Chiesa looks like, We're not going to talk about it yet. Instead, we're going to talk about Fiorentina with Chiesa, and we're just going to run through the Brescia game from earlier this week real quick. What stood out about that one to you, Mike? I'll tell you what. Let's break this down a little bit further. <laughs> what What was one good thing that you're going to take away from that game? Let's just go to the second half and how we started that second half. The, the link-up play between Chiesa, between Ribéry, and my boy Vlahovic, was magical. I mean, there was probably 15, 20 minutes of, of just beautiful play, gifted passing, movement that was just everything that you desire in a team was, was right there present. And I think that had we had the opportunity to continue, we probably would have scored at least two goals. Now, two goals were called back, and it was literally by inches, inches. Ball rolled over the touchline by an inch. Uh, Vlahovic was offsides by a couple inch. Those three and the way that they played off of each other was the one thing that stood out to me. And those are the things that I'd love to see again, but obviously we're going to have to wait again. I think you're dead on. And to build on what you said, I think a lot of that was the structure of the team. Yakini shifting his usual 5-3-2 shape to a 4-3-3-ish shape. I've actually talked with some people who think it's more of a 3-4-3 with Dalbert pushing higher. I didn't see that, but I'm not going to argue anyone on that point whatsoever. I think that's totally open to interpretation. That said, I think that pushing three men across the front generate so much more space. Watching that left channel combination of Ribery and Castrovilli and Dalbert, especially in the first half, getting forward was special. I'd love to see them switch play out to Chiesa faster from those situations. They had several opportunities where they would play it around with the three of them and then bring it back out. And that needs to just be one touch over the top to Chiesa on the other side and give him a chance to attack. And they did that a couple of times, and it looked good. I'd love to see more of that maybe later this week. Let's go to the not-so-good against Brescia. Mike, if I were to ask you to limit yourself to one bad thing that happened or that you saw against Brescia, which one would you choose? 
let me, let me first start off by saying this, and we started with the good, and I, I honestly think that the Brescia game, there was a lot more good that came out of it than bad. The one bad thing that came out of that game was it exposed the coach. You know, we've talked a lot about Beppe being here. Uh, that, to me, was the bad. It was summed up in the way that we started the game with the, the players selected, a change of formation, which I like the change, but stick with it. And then you have five, count them now, five substitutions that are on your bench. And within 32 minutes, you have three yellow cards along your back line, and you leave them in there. Subbing for the first at halftime, Dahlberg comes off. A couple minutes later, after what we already talked about, that front three were wreaking havoc across the field, Caceres gets a second yellow and gets sent off. Beppe maybe, so he doesn't look any worse, get sent off with him. So I'm taking the one bad, which really impacted the rest of the game. The whole game I thought was great. The players, the talent, they put it out there. The, the bad was, was infinitely worse than anything I've seen in a while. The coach, Beppe, that was it. I think that's a harsh but really fair and, frankly, quite reserved criticism, given yep. how frustrating it was. I think what frustrated me the most was how naive Fiorentina looked. All those yellow cards happened for a reason, and I think that is because a lot of the players weren't sure where to be, especially when Casares pushed up on the right side, which he did frequently, and then there was a turnover. He would be way out of position, and that would leave just Ceccherini and Petzella at the back trying to cover the whole width of the pitch. Brescia did, I mean, credit to them. They did a very good job of flooding the channels, finding space to play those balls through. And that's where all the fouls came from. I thought Ceccherini also went forward quite a bit, but it was mostly tracking an an opposing forward rather than with the ball, unlike Casares. So if you track your man forward like that, especially with another defender behind you, there's only one striker. Even if you miss the tackle, there's another guy behind you to sweep up. When you go forward with the ball like Casares did and lose it, you put yourself and the rest of your team in a bad situation. That, to me, is what was most frustrating. I'm not sure if that was on Casares not understanding his role, that it was a back four, but he was supposed to really hold his space because pushing forward with both Alfred Duncan drifting into those wide areas and Chiesa staying wide, he was just pushing into an already congested area of the pitch. If he'd stayed back, it would have allowed Ceccherini to push across and Petzella to push across and maintain that back three that the team has drilled extensively under Yakini and not interrupted the rhythm there as much. I think, to me, that was the biggest shortfall, especially when, as you're chasing a result, you can bring on Paul Larola at right back to add a lot more attacking impetus. I think, to me, you're right, the substitutions were bad, and a lot of the defensive philosophy underneath it was just super frustrating to me. Exhibit B, two substitutes brought on in the 92nd minute. And that's systemic of what's been going on all season. We don't know how to use substitutions. Somebody needs to tell the coach how to use substitutions. Even today, you need to figure out how to use substitutions. And what's crazy to me about this is it was the same under Montella. I'm not sure if it's a matter of the coaches not trusting the squad they have. Obviously, they're seeing a lot of things that we don't in training every day. Maybe some of these guys that we want to see, Sotil, Agudelo, Igor, maybe they're not showing as much in training as we want to see. That said, Igor was 
quite good today. Uh, Sotil, when he was on the pitch, was actually very good, I thought. It's a tough ask replacing Franck Ribéry, and he may not be quite to that standard yet, but he still offers quite a bit, especially in a season like this where the fixtures are coming thick and fast. You got to trust these guys to go out and do something. Otherwise, you're going to run them in chosen 14 players into the ground with all these fresh faces on the bench. And where does that leave you? There's certainly a lot of talent on that bench. You just need some confidence. And the only player you're going to get confidence is play them. You really do have to trust them. Well, before we get ourselves too far in the weeds about this, because I know us and I know that we could talk about this for another three hours and just (laughs) vent. If you had to distill down your takeaway to one thing from Brescia, what would it be? This is the same issue that we've been having past two years, I guess. We have plenty of talent on our team. We have no one who can corral, mold, coach, and execute that talent. We need a coach. I think you're dead on. I think Yakini was perfect for steadying the ship or at least bailing out all the water that Montella had left it in after hammering a hole in the hull of it. And again, all credit to Yakini, who I think has been exactly as advertised, yeah. nothing less. And that was what the team needed, but also not a long-term solution. And it would be nice to have a long-term solution for the first time since Vincenzo Montella left the first time. And, and don't take this the wrong way. I, I still love that babe. I wish him nothing but the best. He is a Fiorentina legend, at least in my mind and a lot of other people, certainly. So um, I never want to criticize anybody too much, but it still doesn't take away the fact that we have the talent. It's there. It plays well together. We just don't really have anybody who can organize and play it in the right way. In that thread, let's go ahead and talk about the Lazio game from a little more than three hours before we started recording this. Let's follow the same formula we did with the Brescia game so that we don't just descend into furious shrieking. What stood out to you as a good thing from that game? A good thing or good person? You know, either one, actually. I mean, you have to go with Frank Ribery. That goal that he had just showed, like I said earlier, class is class. He is clearly still the best player on the pitch, and it doesn't matter. You know, there were times that he was muscled off of the ball. Yeah, sure. He got gassed towards the end. Yeah, sure. But when Fiorentina needed it, he was there. He was the one moving the ball up and down the pitch. He was the one weaving in and out. And he did all of that on one tremendous play. He took that ball, zigged, zagged, went past another defender, and then hooked it right in. That was a beautiful, beautiful goal. It really was. I think that Frank Ribery is definitely the positive takeaway from this one. He's so central to what Fiorentina do now. He's the only player they have who's really tricky in possession, whose first instinct isn't to just go straight at the goal like his hair's on fire. And it makes such a difference having that guy who has time. That's how all of my coaches always describe it those players who just look like they have more time on the ball than anyone else and that's Frank. and let's let's also give credit to somebody that we've been very harsh on I thought gets all had a uh, very good game you and I and, and I'll speak for myself I've been very harsh on putting him in I was very harsh on the six minutes he played against Brescia I was very harsh on the 12 games that he took away from Ricky Sotil uh, I still prefer to see Sotil in there over gets all because I think it makes 
more sense for the club to play your young players, develop them, get them experience, exposure, help them understand what a game looks like, feels like, and, and also really understand where they need to grow. Not an older player who's going to be returned back to, to England here soon. That said, I will give him a tremendous amount of credit because I know he's been feeling the pressure from not just us, but all the fans in, in, uh, in Florence. He got two very important yellow cards and he took a beating, you know, one to his, his, his leg and one he just flipped right over. I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Uh, How that wasn't a red card. A couple of them, uh, you know, he even had that one where he almost lobbed that, you know, not, not lobbed it in there, but he almost got that yeah. to hook right uh, in. Right off the bar. the bar. So, you know, I think we have to give him credit as a bright spot. I thought he looked very good. I thought Milankovic looked very good. Uh, so, you know, I, there were definitely some bright spots. And, and again, I, I think it's consistent. We have the talent. Even when Ricky Sotil came in, he looked good. The, the talent is there. We just need to start getting these players disciplined, understanding the spaces that they need to operate within, look ahead, you know, kind of playing like a game of chess versus checkers. Uh, and, and we don't have that coach here yet. What I would like to highlight, and I know this sounds a little bit wonky considering that the Viola conceded two goals in the second half to lose, but in the first half, the defense was absolutely superb. Federico Ceccherini played out of his mind. He looked yeah. like he looked like an Italian national team player. He was very proactive stepping forward and closing down, which has not always been a part of his game, but especially these last two fixtures, he's really showed that off. He was also decent on the ball. Milenkovic, I think, in some ways, might have been the best player out there. He picked Chiro Immobile up, put him in his pocket, and walked around for a full 90 minutes with him, which was really impressive. Petzella was also very good. He had one moment where he switched off a little bit on that cross that led to the quote-unquote penalty that Felipe Caicedo won. But again, it wasn't a penalty, so I'm not really going to judge him very harshly for that. I'm not sure what happened in the second half. Well, I've got some ideas, and we'll talk about those in a sec. <laughs> but I think that that first half performance from that back three was superb, as good as as good a 45 minutes as we've seen from the defense this year. And I really want to give those three guys a lot of credit for that. So moving on from the good things, Mike, what would you say was the worst thing? You know, we're not picking just one here. So, so let's just go off of that script. We're pushing. <laughs> All right. So let's just go in order. Penalty, not a penalty. Not only was it not a penalty, we did not go to VAR. Then, we have Franck going back a couple minutes afterwards, kicks the ball to the side, runs, player runs into him, impedes his movement, tackles him. Again, no penalty here, and we don't go to VAR. We had multiple second yellows. Parolo should have been sent off. Yes. With a half an hour to go in the game. In my opinion, Bastos, who got a yellow card, I think it was in the late first half, yeah, that, that actually could have been a, a yellow or, or a red card. That tackle where he flipped Gasol was simply absurd. That was very, very dangerous. Again, no, no, no VAR there. And then we go into the 92nd minute on a throw-in. A player goes down, calls for the ref, and now we're reviewing an elbow in the 92nd minute. That goes to VAR. 
after all of these other things don't. So we've talked about the same issue for the past couple of years. Let's talk about the same two issues that we've had for the past two years. Not having the coach and absolutely horrible refereeing. That is what has plagued Fiorentina for a couple years, if not longer. It's not the fans. It's not the talent. It's not the support from the club, especially now that we have Rocco. We don't have the right coach. And there's absolutely horrific refereeing and VAR reviews over in Italy. Yeah, I really can't argue the refereeing side with you. Michael Fabri, the man who was in charge, did a just an incredibly poor job out. He looked deeply overmatched. I'm not sure what happened, why he wasn't calling in the replays. In fairness, Vlaovic shouldn't have thrown that elbow. That was stupid. Absolutely a red card. We're not questioning that. We're questioning the 91 minutes previous to that, which were just astonishingly bad. I think that's definitely a negative takeaway that we can uh, we can draw from that. Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm with you here, man. Holy smokes, <laughs> that was awful. Anything you want to add? Any number of things, but I will confine myself to mentioning how passive the team looked in the second half. A lot of that was the decision to move the fullbacks or wingbacks, however you want to describe them, much deeper. Dalbert had to come off because he had another early yellow. Another one that I honestly didn't think was a yellow because he very clearly just tripped and then ac- accidentally headbutted Lazari's calf and tripped him up there, which to me is a foul, but when it's that clearly a guy who fell down there was no serious damage. I don't think you can give that as a yellow. Regardless, Dalbert's so crucial to this team right now. That troika of him and Ribery and Castrovilli playing very wide and interchanging is key. And Dalbert, in some ways, is the most important part of that because his speed going opens things up so much for the other two. Igor came on and actually played superbly well, I thought. He was really good. Yeah. I'd like I like Igor a lot. I think he's got a really bright future. I'm very excited to see him play more regularly. But he's also a very different player. He's not nearly as fast. He's roughly three times the size. <laughs> he's not. He doesn't have those attacking instincts that Dalbert has. He's certainly more solid defensively, as he showed by denying Ciro Immobile and Felipe Caicedo and Correa and all of those ballyhooed Lazio attackers time and again. He was really good, I thought. A bit unlucky on the Luis Alberto goal that the loose ball came off of him and right back to the Spaniard who then lashed it home. But that's just random chance. That wasn't anything on Igor, I don't think. Anyways, to me, that was the biggest change between the first and the second half was Igor did not get up as much, didn't offer that threat in behind. And Polarola... There were a couple of times where he just looked exhausted in that second half where you'd see him make that run up in support and the ball would move to the left and he would go hands on the knees and take a few deep breaths. But he also played much deeper in that second half. And I think that invited way too much pressure and allowed Lazio to really play their way back into it. This is another thing that I think has been symptomatic of Fiorentina, maybe since Pioli took over is that the team goes up 1-0 and then sits really, really far back, offers a sporadic and 
optimistic threat on the counter, but no real focus going forward and invites pressure and concedes. It happens all the time. And I don't get this. You went ahead. You dominated the first half, frankly. Fiorentina were much better. Why change that approach? Why move deeper? Baffling to me why that happened. And I am so frustrated by that passivity. It's not entirely the players. You know, that's the coach's instructions. So it does come back to something we may have discussed already. But it (laughs) remains. It's just such such a bummer to see this happen time and again. And there's no lesson learned from it. The only thing that I can say is that as good as Dalbert is, he can't be great until he learns how to control his body. And for the second straight game, he had two early yellow cards. That's on him. We need him on the, on the pitch. And, and we can't have confidence in him staying on the pitch once he gets an early yellow. Yeah. It's, it's too much of a threat that he's going to get that second and be sent off. He's aggressive, and I like that, but he needs to harness that aggression so we can keep him on the pitch, we can keep our formation, we can keep our game plan. So from from that standpoint, I won't completely fault the coaches. I get it. But why we went from a a three-man back line then to a five-man back line, and then we fell back that much further from attack, that just baffled me. Again, we had a, a substitution, two people coming in in the 82nd, 83rd minute. I really am lost and I think you you know before we were talking you talked about Baudel I wasn't as high on Baudel as you were I thought he had uh, a very bad game so you know there was there was definitely lack of of players there was lack of plan there was lack of execution but again there was so many bright spots on the field from a talent standpoint we have it we may not have as great a deep bench as Lazio does and you heard the announcers talking during the game that Lazio were bringing, you know, so many more fresh legs in the game. And, and they were able to run all over us because, as you mentioned it, hands on the knees. Everybody was gassed. Coaches, I, I, again, I don't know, Beppe, maybe he's, maybe he's not sending down the message. Maybe it's his first in command who's actually coaching this game. I highly doubt it because it's consistent with his, his substitution methodologies but you need to get those players out of the game that are gassed and bring in players that are ready to go. Like we need all of that movement forward the way Lazio changed the game. We need to bounce back and move it. I'm not even going to ask you what we learned from that because I think we may have just gone over it. And it really is managing the bench and managing the team in game. It's such a bummer. The only positive is that Fiorentina have another couple of chances to get it right this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, midweek fixture against Sassuolo, which is a little bit interesting with uh, De Zerbi as the coach, just signed an extension, so he is probably off of that Viola radar now. What do you think is going to – what do you think about this one, Mike? Is this going to be a little bit of a better ending for us? Are we finally going to see a Fiorentina win for the first time in I don't know how many decades? Momentum's not on our side. Again, I, I take out from the Lazio game that we were up 1-0 against the second-best team on the table in this year's league. We lost 2-1, which as we went through the list, there was probably six or seven things that went against Fiorentina to lose this game. So I think that's a net-net positive. Again, maybe I'm being a little optimistic here because we didn't get points. But then start taking into consideration that Sassuolo did have a very good game today. This team, Fiorentina, 
does not yet know how to win. We don't know how to close it out. You know, over here in the United States, when you're watching American football, going into the fourth quarter, you always see that team holding up the number four. And that number four tells everybody that they know this is the last quarter. They're going into it, and they know how to close that down. That's the mentality we need. So that, that is the first fear. I think Sassuolo is actually a very winnable game. They're obviously very good going forward. They're very good scoring goals, and they're very atrocious on the defensive side, which is good for us. I think that we normally would have a, a very good opportunity. It does scare me now knowing that Vlahovic did throw that elbow, will now be missing two games, Sassuolo being one. We're, we're going to be relying on Cutrone. And, and I did not like what I saw out of Cutrone. I thought he was very timid. I thought he lacked aggression. There was no desire to hunt the ball, see the ball, strike the ball. So, so that does, does concern me quite a bit. Now we have Chiesa back. And I think, you know, maybe one of the options is just allowing Cutrone to stay disciplined in the middle, hold up play and push the ball back out, you know, to the sides, to the wings with Chiesa on one, maybe Ribery. I don't know. Is he going to be able to run at this point after, after playing as long as he has the past two days? So, so that has to be where the ball goes. And then you have Castrovilli who, who comes up and fills middle part of the field. So I am thinking that we are going to be optimistic. I, as I always do, I, I'm going to predict a win against both clubs. But I am fearful at this point going into it. That's fair. I think adding to what you said about the importance of really getting a goal there, Sassuolo are missing Filippo Romagna and Jeremy Tolchon, two of their starting defenders. As we've written about on the blog a few times while we were profiling Deserbi, Sassuolo's strategy is frequently to sit very deep with the ball and invite pressure and then try to play through it. So I think that pressing them high is going to be really critical. Having Chiesa back makes that a great option. I think adding some more pace and Ricky Sotil in particular, I think probably deserves a start so that Ribery can rest those ancient, ancient legs for a little bit and only come on if he's needed for the last half hour or so. That said, Sassuolo are, you're right, they are very dangerous. They drew 3-3 against Inter last time out, despite making a host of mistakes on defense. They really should have won, but still putting three goals past an Antonio Conte side is not nothing. With Berardi and Jeremy Boga and Francesco Caputo leading that attack, that teams can score on anyone. And mm -hmm. if Fiorentina play like they did against Lazio in the second half or Brescia in the first half, this one could get out of hand real quick. That said, I'm with you. I'm a bit more optimistic. I think having Chiesa back is going to make a huge difference. And I'll throw it out there. I think this is a game where we get a Marco Benassi goal where he just materializes in a puff of smoke, boots one in, and then vanishes again like Mephistopheles. I think if we're going to win, we have to see two goals coming from Castrovilli. Get the ball out to the wings, have Castrovilli fill the middle. That's where it's coming from. He does need to score. He's had some chances these past two weeks and yeah. has come close, but just hadn't put it away. It's a mentality thing. As I said, this team doesn't know how to win. They don't know how to close it down. They all need to get to that point. And hopefully that's one thing that Franck can teach these young kids is how to score, how to finish, how to finish a game, how to win. Let's get it done. Too, I think it's worth pointing out that Fiorentina do have the youngest team in Serie A, especially going forward. Their most experienced attacker is Federico Chiesa, who is 
22. Dusan Vlaovic in his first year is a real regular. Patrick Cutrone had one year mostly as a super sub for Milan when he was very, very good a couple years ago and then was sort of a rotational option at best last year and then was mostly on the bench for Wolves. Christian Kwame has started regularly but also is hurt. Ricky Sotil is on loan last year in Serie Bay, barely played. Rashid Yassal has first-tier experience, sure, but also hasn't really played regularly in years since moving to Leicester. I mean, this team just doesn't have that killer instinct, and they don't know how to have that mentality yet. They're learning. I mean, this is this is part of the process, right? Their bumps in the road really need to get that. I mean, the only alternative there is that, you know, and we'll talk about this, you know, I think, a little bit later, and we've talked about it a couple times before, is just going and buy that player. And again, I'm, I'm a Dusan Vlahovic lover, great guy. But at some point, you know that Fiorentina, beautiful city of Florence, is used to seeing beautiful goals by a, a forward. We need that person. So if somebody's not going to pick up their game now, I actually think if you combine Vlahovic and Catroni in a one player, that would be one hell of a player because Catrone, he understands, he's disciplined, he knows where to go, he's a poacher. Vlahovic is so athletic, he's quick, he's aggressive, uh, and get, kind of gets away from himself at times. Those two together, you know, kind of a Captain uh, Planet type thing here <laughs> by, their, by their powers combined, uh, that would be one hell uh, of a forward. I really like the idea of a Kutrone vlahovic like Dr. Moreau them together into some kind of <laughs> horrific four-legged striking monster. Until we get that... We'll talk about Parma, too, who Fiorentina play against just a few days after Sassuolo. Again, another one that's a little bit tricky to predict. What are your thoughts on this one, Mike? Anything that stands out to you? Nothing that stands out to me, to be to be honest. But that said, I think that scares me. There isn't anything that stands out to me about Parma, and there's nothing that they're really bad at. Also, they're a very good team, and I think that this is one of those teams this year that has probably surprised people the most. Maybe Lazio being second is another one. But I think Parma right now is just playing so well. And here's an example of a club that went from where they were to where they are by just learning how to win. You know, it's just a mentality thing because their talent hasn't gotten any better. I mean, you know, you still have, you know, Gervinho as, as one of their better players, and they're certainly not going out and spending much money. But they're, they're really just learning how to tie it together, having a good coach, and then learning how to win. I think you just nailed it, man. I think it's that they have that identity. They know exactly who they are, how they want to play. Roberto Daversa, full credit to him, has done a great job there. Like you said, I think the real threat is Gervinho on the left being really, really fast. And maybe not doing a whole lot else, but my goodness, is he fast. He is. Dejan Kulisevsky on the right has also been fantastic in a very different role. He tends to drop deeper and pull more centrally and try to carry the ball forward through the lines. He's also got a wicked shot on him. That midfield is a bunch of big, strong, physical dudes who know what they're doing. They know how to grind out a result. Not always super creative. They know what they're doing. And then the defense has Bruno Alves, who's still at the age of 57, a top-flight <laughs> professional. Again, I don't think this is an easy game. I think if Fiorentina play up to their potential, it is absolutely a winnable game. But who knows? Parma's good. They 
shell Genoa one to four last time out, even without Roberto Inglese, who's been their main striker all year. Andrea Cornelius is just lit up of late. There's a lot to play for. Parma also are going to be very motivated. They're still in the hunt for Europe, maybe, with a little bit of luck if some things break their way. And if they win out, they could make some noise. So Fiorentina can't take this lightly at all. Not that we can't take any game lightly anymore. That is how it feels when you're floating above the relegation places. And you know what, Mike? I don't think it feels very good. (laughs) But it's consistent for the past couple years. You know what? Like we were just saying, Parma has an identity. Maybe that's Fiorentina's identity now. And if you'll excuse me, I need to go put my head in the oven. (laughs) You know, listen, at this point, I know this is not going to be Fiorentina's identity just because if nothing else, Rocco Camiso will not allow that. So we're going to move on and do something a little bit new now that we've finally gotten through our review of every position of every single player for Fiorentina which felt like it took just months and months for us to get through, even though it was, what, six episodes or something? Now we know what Daniele Prade feels like during a transfer window. (laughs) Must be exhausting, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So instead, we asked y'all what you wanted us to talk about. So here we go. Here are some fan questions. We're hoping that this is exciting. We're going to find out, though, here. All right, first one. Fiorentina are going to buy one really big player in the transfer window. Who do we want that to be? And who do we expect? Oh, and that's from Paolo G. Florence via Twitter, by the way. Well, I'm going to cop out of this one very hard because I'm a coward and also because I think so much of that depends on who the coach is in Florence next year. If it is still Yakini, I think your top choice has to be a 20-goal striker. That has to be it. If it is someone else who uses a different system, has some different ideas of how to play the game, I think you could see a really good winger, a top number 10, maybe a fullback, but I don't think that's as much of a focus. I'm not going to name any names because I can't think of who exactly it'll be because we don't know the system. But I think you're right. There is going to be a top player. And I will say it's going to be in the attack, a center forward, a winger, or a very creative number 10. I'll even say that at this point, <laughs> I hate to do this to Beppe again, the best signing that we may be able to make this offseason is a coach. Ooh, I like that. I'll kick it back to you, Mike. And I think this one is definitely for you from Mike R., a violanation.com hero. How do I develop a voice as silky smooth as Mike's? <laughs> I think it's a, a mix between good genetics and uh, listening to and always trying to mimic the great voice of Barry White. The genetics probably long gone, but the Barry White <laughs> I could look into. There you go. One more sip before we get on to the next one. <laughs> All right. Keep that voice fresh. You do. Could you guys discuss some outside Serie A managers you'd like to see Fiorentina linked with? And then there's a suggestion. So two names come to me immediately. Jesse Marsh and Marcelo Gallardo from TJW Go Blue on VN, which we found out today is a Michigan native. I think if we're going to go answer a question from a Michigan native, we should start with the American, Jesse Marsh. I think he might actually be a pretty interesting manager for Fiorentina, not only because he's an American, 
So with Rocco at the helm, it makes a certain amount of sense. Also a Princeton man, so they've got that Ivy League connection. Uh, Jesse Marsh, he was uh, played in the MLS exclusively. He was a winger. He's been the head coach at Salzburg since 2019. He's worked under Rolf Rongnick and Marco Rosa. He plays their style very, very much, it seems like to me. I haven't watched a lot of Salzburg this year, so I could just be lying to you. Who knows? But he seems to be using that 4-4-2 formation that all the Red Bull clubs use. Lots of pressing, quick vertical passing, very direct. I think he would be an interesting move for sure. I think Marcelo Gallardo in some ways might be much more interesting. He's been at River Plate since 2014, which is pretty crazy. Might be ready for a change of scenery, but he is a legend there from his career. So he might just be happy to stay there. Usually plays a 5-3-2 of late, but he's more well-known for a, more of a 4-3-1-2. Won lots of cups, but not really as successful in the league. But his teams are super fun to watch. They're very flexible. One of his tenets seems to be having players spend two seconds on the ball or less. So, I, yeah, I think those are two very good shouts. More than anything, I would like to see some of these younger German coaches come in. I know that Italy, there's such a, a desire to keep the Italian coaches in charge, which makes sense, especially with Coverciano right there in Florence. But the German style right now seems to be working really well. Look at Ralph Hassenhüttl in England. I think a guy like that, who brings a really distinct identity, who knows what he wants his teams to do and then has them do it. I think that is really the idea. So I would say any of those guys in Germany who are under the age of 45, basically, would be my, my pick. Look what Liverpool did. Makes perfect sense. Klopp I, would be cool. <laughs> you know, he, he's such a funny guy that he, he would actually, I could see him actually doing that. After he wins the cup with Liverpool, he's like, all right, that's it. I'm going and I'm just going to go have fun in the most beautiful city in the world, Florence. Uh, I know this is against the rules, but uh, I'm still pulling for Spalletti. I know it's Eddie, our manager. Technically, he's not, you know. I think he's got a contract by now. Just because he's such a cool guy, and I would love to go to uh, Trotaldo to do the interview. So I would actually go interview him at his house, go have a couple drinks, walk around. Uh, San Gimignano's not far. We'll go say hello to Sergio, bounce around, you know. Do it up. I mean, that's not bad. And you know, if Fiorentina is going to be a team that melts down spectacularly, Spalletti will at least provide the most entertaining meltdowns. Yeah. So at least there's that. Let's see now, next one uh, from Danny Penza from our comment section. He's also the editor of Black and White and Red All Over, our Juventus sister site. Despite that, he is a really, really wonderful guy. Like him very much. Asking. Will you come on my podcast again? Yes, we will, Danny. Talk to our agents. We'll make it happen. Uh, next up from Hisanka, who also probably deserves a shout out here for somehow being the first person to comment on every article we publish, no matter what time it publishes, possibly because he is a vampire. Which player deserves the most to get his own signature sandwich and what's in it? See, so I know that you did the article. So that's what he's talking about. So I wrote down a couple here. I think that they're not as good as yours, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go here. So we're going to start with one of my favorites, the Thoreau French dip, because, well, like him, it's a dip 
and it also gets really slimy. <laughs> oh. So, you know, going, going a little bit more local out of Centro uh, or, or Mercado Centrale is uh, the place called uh, Trapezino. I'm going to do a new sandwich for them, and it's going to be their Herman Bartwurst. The, the, so, you know, like a bratwurst, but we're going to do with the German bratwurst, the Hermann Bartwurst, Trapezino. So that's number two. I also went with a, uh, a more American here style, the Eric Pulgark sandwich, like a, a pulled pork sandwich. Excellent. Uh, this one is, is a fan favorite of mine because I live here. So we'd have the Fetty Philly Chiesa steak, whiz without because I'm a whiz without guy, and only available at Pat's. No Geno's here. Sponsor us. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of people who need a sponsor for how many shout-outs we give. Going down the list, and you weren't expecting this kind of list, but I did put some thought into this. Then we have the Dushan Pork Belly Vlau Bun, like a Pork Belly Bao Bun. <laughs> Vlau Bun. And... Uh, a special thanks to Viola Nation's very own Amalia, who came up with this one, the Frank Ribery sandwich. Oh, no. Oh, it's so bad. I really like this. Yeah. Oh, this is terrible, everyone. Thank you so much for that, Hisanka, and everyone else. That is, uh, that's really silly. <laughs> you know, a, a new new low moment on the uh, the podcast here, but I'm sure we're going to be full of those, so course of time <laughs> all right and we have the last question which is coming from drew t what the hell is going on with Serie A on being i can't watch games here because being isn't showing Serie A games any ideas when they will uh, when they are going to lift the block drew we have no ideas sadly when that's going to happen all we can say is that maybe if you're very lucky mediacom will expand to australia and carry nothing but Fiorentina games forever. Maybe a letter-writing campaign. Yeah, we can definitely start that up. We'll get the ATF, ACC on that pretty quickly, uh, and we'll start that as the next movement. And if it's anything like the ESPN broadcast that they had today, it, watching no game is the same as watching what I watched today. Well, I think with or without the rough broadcast, that was probably the case. Also, I just got to say, every time you say ATF, man, like, what does the <laughs> alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have to do with all of this? <laughs> all right. On that note, we're going to wrap up for just now, but don't leave. We have one more feature coming up after this. All right. And for this last segment, we're very lucky to get a few further flung fans than we've ever had on this show before like to welcome Viola Club Indonesia. We're here with Eric and Jeffrey. Thank y'all so much for coming on. How are y'all doing? Hi, guys. We are doing great here during the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's struggling here. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you're doing better than us. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably start out with most of our fans on the site and who listen to the podcast have some sort of tie to Italy. They visited or their families from there and then i feel like for a lot of what i've learned about y'all just very briefly as we were leading up to this that's not as much the case with you guys tell me how when why did did you guys become fans of fiorentina of all clubs eric uh, what, you want to go first yeah okay i uh i'm fans of fiorentina since 
1989 season. It's not because I watch the match. It's because I watch the highlight, and I love uh, purple color. I I watch the highlight of Fiorentina winning from Milan, maybe because I forget what it. And Batistuta did the free kick inside the penalty box versus Milan. Oh, Milan. the the Batistuta indirect. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. When I play football, I think my best can do is the the shoot from right foot. I think it's similar like, like me, but Suta so Ajis Tuta. So my name is Eric Ajis and I nickname myself Ajis Tuta. Whoa, I, <laughs> I feel cool. I, I, from now on, we can't call him Eric. We have to call him Ajis Tuta. No, it's <laughs> only Ajis Tuta now forever. Ajis Sorry. I never left Fiorentina back then from that. Yeah. Always it's always been in your heart. And you can't get like Mal... Aje Maldini or something. It just doesn't work, right? <laughs> All right. So uh, how about you, Jeffrey? When, where, how, why? For me, uh, I became a Fiorentina fan since, yeah, maybe same with Eric from 97 until 98. It's first because, yeah, you know, in here in Indonesia, we just only one, uh, we, we have two national television and one of them is, uh, Broadcast in the Italian league, which is Fiorentina. There, I watched the match Fiorentina versus I I, I I forgot it, but I think Bologna. This is my team now, <laughs> and I think when 97, 98 at the time, the Fiorentina is very attractive. But it's too, uh, they have Ricosta, they have Toldo, even Toldo in. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think <laughs> I like this team, and of course, like Eric, I like the purple. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know because, because. I think every everybody is like uh, red. They like Manchester United, maybe Milan, but I know I like purple. I like this club. I learn everything about Fiorentina. I I watch the history of Fiorentina even when. Become I burn, I know the history. Even I live two years in Manchester, but I like Fiorentina. <laughs> Sometimes it's just love at first sight, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I have a experience that I use Fiorentina jersey when I watch Manchester City versus Basel. And you know what? I, I sit down at the Manchester City site and everybody is just, why do you use this? Jersey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very rude there. Going back to you, Eric, do you have a favorite player or a favorite moment with the club that really just sticks with you? For uh, From television or just for real life? Either one. Of course, Balistuta. <laughs> oh, well, probably should have seen that coming. That's fair. <laughs> well, Kevin Dix is something for me. Because the second time I go to Europe, he direct me message in Instagram, but I'm not see it until I almost go to back to Indonesia. So I scroll the DM in Instagram until the bottom and I see the blue check in the name. It must be the real Kevin Dix. And he said, can I give you some Fiorentina jersey because I'm from Indonesia. And it's very late because 
I, I next the next day I will go to back to Indonesia. So I said sorry because I just see the message and then he said oh, next year I go to Indonesia. Can I bring you some jersey over there? Tell me what I need to do and then boom <laughs> he came to Jakarta and I bring some Fiorentina Indonesia fans to meet him. That's amazing. That's a and wild story. <laughs> and we keep in touch. Until now. That's really cool. Yeah, you don't hear too many stories like that. He chased you down twice. That's yeah, amazing. The uh, the only player I've ever really gotten to talk with was <laughs> Sebastian Cristoforo, and that was a whole <laughs> different kind of conversation. So for all, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you ever want to Google Viola Nation, Sebastian Cristoforo, I think it's the first thing that comes up, and you can see that we're best friends forever now. And he is mm. definitely my favorite mm. player forever. But he is playing <laughs> at pain, right? Yeah. 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 How about you, Jeffrey? Any favorite players, favorite moments? <laughs> you and my answer is same with Eric, of course. <laughs> my favorite player, of course, Batistuta. I think all of the Fiorentina fans here, 90%, 90%, or maybe 80 or 90% is like Batistuta very much. Even they be uh, fans of Argentina also, or Italy. For me, Fiorentina is reflected by Batistuta, of course, from 97 until now. Even when she, uh, he went to Roma and my heart is broken because his goal to Fiorentina, but yeah, he is my favorite player until now. But I have a moment that I know this, this record is very good. If you can remember that when Fiorentina versus Manchester United at Old Trafford, they lost 3-1. But, but the goal from Batisuta is very amazing for me. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible to do that from other penalty box. So, wow. I just scream at the house and everybody, what happened, what happened? <laughs> In 3 a.m. <laughs> so I think that gets us into the other piece here is that with all the time zone differences, getting this set up just with us in the States was a little bit of a hassle. But y'all are pretty much on the exact opposite side of the world from Fiorentina. So yeah. that, that must make watching the games a little bit crazy. So what yeah. what do y'all do? Do you get together and watch at 3 a.m.? Or, well, some, some or do you time, watch by yourself? Uh, what? How do you do that? The different time is like uh, six hour or seven hour. But sometimes when they the midday match, we can do gather to watch together. In my area, because Indonesia is very large, in my area, maybe yeah. 10 Fiorentina fans. We gather to watch with like Milan, Inter Milan. But funny story, Fiorentina fans, it's not it's not big here. One day we go to Fiorentina versus AS Roma. Back then maybe 2015, there is 100 AS Roma fans. They bring trumpet, they bring drums, and we come only seven people over there. So we just sit, oh Fiorentina, and then they do some crowd. <laughs> and we are offer people. Do you remember when Fiorentina win 4-2 versus Juventus? Yes. Mm, yes. Yes, very much. I, I, was, I was alone in the Juventus base team. <laughs> That's near my house. So I walk to the, their base. I must pay to, for the ticket to come in to watch. I just sit, use my jacket, but inside is Fiorentina jersey. <laughs> Zero 0-2 for Juventus. Oh. And then in the second half, Roski, Roski, Joaquin. I put out my jacket and I run, run. <laughs> <laughs> I and run you... and uh, never come back. <laughs> <laughs> 
that was probably a good decision to not go back in there. <laughs> well worth it, though. So you guys do get together and watch, watch as a group pretty often. Yeah, sometimes. Eric area is more uh, big enough for, for Fiorentina fans, 10 maybe. But my in my area, just only three or two people. So if I want to ask them, can you watch this uh, this day? Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, sorry. Uh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, same with Eric. When I watch Trinidad match uh, versus Juventus for two, I'm alone, just just alone too. But in the second 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 time, I I just call my friend. Please come here. I just alone, and I don't know what to do again. For uh, they 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 lost two zero in the first time, but in the second time four two. So. We just two two Fiorentina fans versus yeah maybe a hundred Juventus fans. Uh, they just ah oh, poor you poor you poor you. But for me and my friend, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. <laughs> and, and then Rossi. Got, yeah, finally thanks got four two Rossi and Joaquin. In, in Jakarta, Good. there's uh, many fans. Maybe uh, Ami and Fiorentina yeah. Jakarta. Maybe do the gathering more often than us. Well, and and that's you know kind of what started this conversation was uh, you know seeing some of those videos of the Indonesia Viola Club, mm-hmm. seeing your your watch parties, seeing the flares, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. my goodness, tell us a little bit about the Viola Club Indonesia, and let's start if you don't mind with some of those videos that at this point now all of the Viola fans have seen, not just uh, Indonesia, not just in Europe. But around the globe. I will answer first about Villa Club Indonesia. So I do not clearly. I think in '98 or before, uh, when when Fiorentina is very famous here, I, I I said before that we just watched the Italian league from national television and and from friend stories that Villa Club Indonesia is grew up at the time and because the factor of Gabriel Batistuta or maybe the color of Fiorentina jersey, a uh, purple. So many people here like purple and they like Fiorentina in. 2008, I think, 2008 in Jakarta, they gathering, the elder of Fiorentina fans in here, they gathering and they have uh, agreed that they have a name Fiorentina Fans Club Indonesia. But in 2012, they changed the name to Fiorentina Club Indonesia until now, we almost, uh, yeah, 12 years. If you watch the video or the, the picture from the army, I think, in 2000. Uh, we have program that we gathering together, national gathering. And if you watch the flare, it's 2014, I think. That's an yeah. amazing video. Yeah, we gathering from nine region in Indonesia. You can imagine that Indonesia is have a seventeen thousand island, and we we came from the the different region. We we was use the plane or use the boat or everything to do gathering in the one area. We have nine region. We came to the this area and we gather, watch the football match together. Fifty people, I think, for, for the, the it is the second gathering national. The, I think just only fifty people. It's very very happy for me to know that many people like Fiorentina from the other region. Just not only for my town in the other cities. Only two. There's so many Fiorentina fans, but. I think because the the problem because the Indonesia is very large, so yeah, we, we cannot gathering very much. But I think it's good for us, Fila Club Indonesia. Well, and I think it was that video that you guys put out, and you think it was 2014 with the yeah, flares. Yeah. So that must have been a yes. watch party at night, and you yeah. guys all got out there, sang the song. <laughs> you sing it better than I do. I can't <laughs> sing it that good. No, 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 no. I think 
because only few people can sing this uh, Fiorentina song, but because different different language for us is very different for 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 Indonesian people, we must struggling to learn to sing this song. Can I tell you one one story about please? Jeffrey? Yeah, I watched the Inter Milan eh, Fiorentina Inter Milan in yeah 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 yeah. Only with Jeffrey. Yeah, last year, last year, yeah. Last year with Jeffrey. We sing Oh Fiorentina before, <laughs> before the match. I sing a lot, Oh Fiorentina. And Jeffrey is a coach of a choir team in Indonesia. I hear something different. Jeffrey <laughs> sing the Oh Fiorentina with fibra. Oh Fiorentina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 You know the serious style. We're gonna need to hear a recording of that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Next time y'all are watching together, Eric, you have to record that and send. Please, <laughs> please, Rocco wants that. Oh, yeah, I hope. I hope. <laughs> May I have in my Instagram story? I came to Italy 2014. I have choir competition there. Only 50 kilometer from Florence. I cannot go to Florence because. I am a conductor and I I can I can lift my my member. So for me it's very struggling here there. <laughs> Thank God last year Eric said that he want to watch Fiorentina and because I live at Manchester uh, at the time. Really? Okay, I will go there to meet you there. I I never I never meet Eric before. The first time I meet Eric at the Fiorentina base camp in the Florence <laughs> at late of the night, yeah. And the next day we watch the match versus Inter Milan. It's very crazy there. So what was that experience like? I think it's nothing compared. <laughs> I don't know. It's very different when, when we, 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 we watch the match at Italy when I compare with uh, Manchester or London. I, I watched a few times City, United or... In Italy, the feeling is, is more than... More than I, can, I can describe it. Everyone is chant, everyone is singing, everyone is... But in Manchester, I think they just only shout. And, but in Italy, 90 minutes, they sing, they, they, they give everything to the player in the, in the field. I think at the moment, it's very... I can never, 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 ever forget it. Magical. You know, a couple of us here, all of us at this point, I guess, have made it to a game, which is the most magical thing. But the next time that you two will go there, it's going to be a completely different experience because now you're going there yeah. as an official viola club member in, in Indonesia. You guys just got your official viola club status <laughs> yeah. through ATF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about that experience and what it means to you guys. I think this is very important for us. After years of waiting, finally the results were satisfying. We became better known by fans outside Indonesia. Or maybe it could be case study in for Fiorentina doing <laughs> maybe pre-season in Indonesia. How oh, man! <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you want Rocco to hear what you just said. So repeat that. Rocco. When you're listening, Eric wants to tell you something. Go ahead, Eric. Rocco, bring your Fiorentina to Indonesia. You are very love Fiorentina, very passionate of Fiorentina. Please come to Indonesia for precision. Please. People have spoken. I think one of the things I'm really interested in, too, is that now that y'all are an official Viola Supporters Club, mm -hmm. do you think that's going to help you attract more fans to Fiorentina? Or 
is it just going to be the same same group or do you think you're going to get a, a bunch of new folks for uh, because the performance of the team mm-hmm. I think the player we bring to the club that's very important to give more member for us i think for now it's just like this but we hope we known by fiorentina fans outside indonesia and fiorentina in italy so maybe because we're very worrying about the member right now actually yeah i saw that release that you guys made talking about how important it is that we tie wins and losses and players yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that we have yeah. you know into your ability to attract new members and and not just new members but keeping the the fanship the in your family yeah. so tell us tell us about that like like eric said that We are very worrying about the other fans that Fiorentina have us uh, have in Indonesia. But depends on the performance, depends on the club achievement. I I try to to attract other members, uh, other people to be a member of Fiorentina fans. But it's very difficult because of that and it's more important that we have a few member, but we give everything a lot to Fiorentina. But for me, it's important have a quality, not quantity. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know the, you know what I mean? Maybe we have 1,000 or 2,000 people here, but they don't love Fiorentina much. Better if we have just only 500 people here, but they love Fiorentina. I hope in the next season, Fiorentina have good performance and have a good player. So many people will be came to Fiorentina fans. So, so that begs the question, is it more important for the Viola Club Indonesia to see Fiorentina win? Or is it more yeah. important, you know, you have Rocco talking about this term, bandiera, having a Batistuta-like presence on the club. Which is more important if one was over the other? I think the result more important. For Fiorentina, I think... They just need a consistency. Win, win, win. Okay, last sometime is okay. But win, win and and get in the top of the table is very good for us. I am 30 year, 33 years old now. I, I want to watch Fiorentina win the Scudetto. <laughs> I don't know when, but I want it. Yeah. Well, 33 and the, and the voice of a god. Yeah. You have a lot of things going for you. <laughs> I want it now. Even my wife asked when I, I watched the Frentina in the early morning, you watch Frentina? Yes. Win? No. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds like my oh, life right now, too. Yeah, it's heartbroken, man. What do you think has gone wrong this season, and how do you think the team can fix it? I think the mistake is from the start is the appointment of Montella, because they defend Montella. Montella now is different than Montella five years ago. Maybe he's the most not winning coach in Europe. Back to when he in Milan, in Sevilla, he never win. And uh, the tactic is easy to read by another team. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the mistakes. And then we don't have good striker. We don't have... Uh-oh. You're, you're going to have to fight with Mike here in a sec. He won. Oh, okay. Big douche on Vlahovic. Vlahovic. Yes, of course, Frovic is a good striker, but it's not major. It's 20 good guarantee striker like that. We never have that. The last time we got real striker, maybe Kalinic. Tony. But the last time we have, just Kalinic. After Kalinic, we, did, we never really have a good goal scorer. Yeah. 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 Uh, And what are your thoughts, Jeffrey? For me, same with Eric, but the first the first time I know this season will, will go mad, uh, when they lost 
Lafon. I don't know. I like Lafon. <laughs> well, there's one in every know. one in every yeah, group. I, guess. I don't know. I don't know. But he is a young man. But last season, if we don't have Lafon, I think it's very very yeah. bad for Fernina. We don't have a good striker also. Right? Like sorry for Lahovic. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, but you must. <laughs> uh, You must you must struggling for be a good scorer. We need consistency. Are, are you more optimistic as we go into next season? Yeah, yeah, good. of course. If Rocco have a plan, I know he will build the team with good player and good coach. That's the big debate going on. So clearly, you guys are not with Pepe. I, I like yeah. it. I like it when he first came. I like yep. it. He 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 bring the new era. He bring the new. New commitment, new optimism for the team. But we have five substitution, but you just only use three at first. Yeah, ridiculous for me. Well, I'm glad you guys watched the same game in Indonesia that we did here in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, well, I'm We're not all scratching glad. our heads too. Yeah, I'm not glad <laughs> that you had to watch it because it wasn't fun, but. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. At least we're all on the same page here, right? <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning. First half yeah. successful. Second half, ah, the result is yeah. So, so what's next for the Viola Club Indonesia as we, uh, you know, get to the end of this conversation here? What What's next for the Viola Club Indonesia? Is there any message you guys want the world to hear? Want Rocco to hear? Yeah, I just want to say like, please, please, just give us good player. <laughs> He was good players. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that you guys, the player, Rocco, the management, I want you to know that here in Indonesia, there is a Fiorentina fans who woke up in the 3 a.m. in the morning to su support you from television. Please, play appreciate, good. Play appreciate us. Please <laughs> win for us. Please win. <laughs> woke up in the 3 a.m. and support you. It's really something for us. Please, just play good. Win. <laughs> That's powerful. That's a powerful statement right there. I think we can all get behind that sentiment, except yeah. for the 3 a.m. part, maybe. Jeffrey, do you have anything you want to yeah. close out with? Yeah, I, would, I want to just just a little bit about Rocco. He's a figure who gives us new hope. In addition, he wants to build a Frentina from many aspects from the stadium, from everything. I think for this season, this is the first time Rocco came and he is new guy in the field now. So I hope this, this season, he will learn about how to build Fiorentina. So in next season, he will come with some good players and bring them to Fiorentina and they will give the good result for Fiorentina. I like the the idea that they have a good academy, but I think we need more than that. We need star player. If you want to bring young player, please Haran from Dortmund now. That would definitely blow yeah. our minds here a little bit too. I think. <laughs> but I want it. I want it. I want it. Hey, that's not that's All not right. too much to ask for. But yeah. <laughs> it's not too much. It's not too much. But I hope. Rocco can give us this. I think that is definitely the note that we're ending this on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric, Jeffrey, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to talk with you again sometime. And Terima kasih. Terima kasih. It's mean thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Terima kasih. Thank you. And, and Ahmed, thank you very much for putting this together. Just make us one one promise. As you guys are putting together some great videos, make sure you send them to us. 
so we can get them out to uh, everybody else in, in Viola Nation, you know, everybody that we, uh, that we have supporting. So. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Tito also produced this episode. Huge thanks to Eric, Jeffrey, and Ami of Viola Club Indonesia for waking up early to join us on this one. You can find them on all social media at Viola Club Indonesia. Our theme music is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check out more of their music at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.